Hey everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by ironcompany.com. All right, today we're revisiting the squat. This is a very popular topic for obvious reasons. We're going to get into why we squat, how we squat. We're going to talk about some of the past squat gods and more. Uh, there's a lot to this subject. It's a good one. Everybody's always asking about it. So here it comes. Um, guys, I want to ask you, out of all the progressive resistance exercises, uh, both you guys put squats at the very top of the list. I mean, why is that? Let's, let's get into that. Go ahead, Jimmy. Well, I, I always was brought up, and, and when I was coming up and started lifting, that was when sort of the squat became a thing. When, in the early 70s, with Arnold and those guys, it was more like the chest and bicep stuff. And then, to me, when Platts came along, Tom Platts and started doing that, that's right. when I really got into it. And then for football, it became an exercise that I could tell immediately when I would do it, I felt stronger on the field. And I don't think any other exercise gave me that right away like that. It felt like, you know, once I started being consistent with my squatting, and I think I started in like ninth grade, uh, which is what, 15 or 14 or uh, once you, I started doing for that. You, got, for you, it was 18. It was 18. I got, I got faster <laughs> and I felt like I could hit harder. So, uh, because you did, because right you, you did get faster and you did hit harder. Exactly, and you could jump higher. I mean, it was just an exercise where it's so hard on your body, you know, and it and it works your hips and glutes and quads and hand, the, all the stuff that gives you all the power, you know. What's so, your damn damn traps just holding it on on your back? Yeah, I mean, especially, you know, and people say, "Oh, this squat." When you put heavy weight on your back, oh, challenging weight. There's no that, feeling like that. That's when your body, you got that fight or flight thing going, man. It is a unique, unique feeling. And I was always attracted to the challenge of it. You know, I knew a lot of guys that just didn't squat because it was too hard. You know, it's a very tough exercise. But, you know, I welcomed the challenge. I excelled at it. I got very good at squats. I just loved the the feel of the exercise. Like you said, the, the weight of the, the bar going across your, your traps and your upper back. And, um, and just, you know, it was the best thing when each week you could go up just a little bit in weight. And mm -hmm. uh, I played football as well, so it was very helpful there. Yeah. Um, would, would you guys put the squat above uh, deadlifts? Pretty much, right? Would you mind if I answered the first question before we yeah, just get on ahead to the second? Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Um, <laughs> I was lucky early on that I um, started reading John McCollum, the Keys to Progress article. Yeah. And I believe his first series was in 1965 when it started. <clears throat> and he stressed right away, squat, 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 squat. I mean, it was just... And he went into great detail in each of these articles as to why. And, and not only the squat, but particularly the five-rep squat. And squatting and five reps is something that stayed with me through all the years. Yeah. The combination. The five rep ultra deep upright squat. Also, we were very technical because we were all Olympic lifters. And as Olympic lifters, we were front squatters, right? So we were very upright, right, Jim? Yeah. 
to front squat, you have to stay upright or that bar pops off. So we're upright. Also, because we had to cut, recover from heavy cleans, you had to have that low down power, right? Partial huh. squat, partial squat didn't do you any good if you're recovering with whatever, 275, right. you know, and you're pinned to the floor right? and you got to come up, right? You have to have that kind of power. So we, we were taught to squat super, super deep and we learned how, and it took, it's a very technical lift the way that we, the way that we did it, but that that's the base. That's the core. Then, then when I started doing power training under Cassidy, it was a very easy thing because he was basically squatting the same way that we had already come to right so uh, yeah so the uh, it would be my desert island lift if i had to if i were forced to pick one it would be the squat um i, I think it's just it's such a body shocker that in term it's it's the single most shocking progressive resistance exercise if it's done right and that makes it the most effective right that which just no uh, yep. kill me makes me stronger right so yeah so that would be i mean when we talk about the hormonal tsunami i mean the squat is just superior to anything else in producing that and just you know because it, it's such a, a, a total body shocker and you know what the good thing about just to touch back on what marty said about the five reps is that now you're now you're getting stronger but you're also putting on muscle with those fives you yeah. know, it's the perfect combination uh, between combination or in between rep yes, in between Eddie, Eddie Cohn described it. He said, yeah, it's the perfect combination between high rep hypertrophy and lower rep power and torque. Right. Yeah. yeah, it really is, man. It's like force just a little too low. <laughs> Six is, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. And you settle on that five and you can go, you can't go wrong. Truly, truly. I've been, uh, we've been, I've been hitting the five for 50, more than 50 years. Just yeah. pounding it, pounding it, pounding it, pounding it. Now, I, I will say, I will say this: uh, in the last five years, three has become the new five. Yeah, <laughs> as you get as you get just a little older. Yes, <laughs> yeah, three has become the new five. But yeah. in the day of the five, it was everything. Though, you know? yeah. yeah, but Marty, you you are always trying new stuff. You'll switch it around. You're not always doing threes, right? Sometimes you'll do fifteens no. and things like that. Yeah. Absolutely, and and different yeah. variations of squatting, or or periods of no squatting, right? Just just flat. Don't do it for a month, right? Forget everything you know. Yeah, that's kind of the highest level. It's almost intuitive. You can do that, Jimmy. When you get to a certain level, where training is in your blood, I mean, you are gonna train. Then forcibly staying away will often. I don't know. It, like it resets all your neural patterns. It makes you susceptible to new things. And then when you go back to it, everything is fresh and uh, alert. And particularly if in your squatting, you know, uh, you need to be energetic. You need to be into it when you're squatting. You really shouldn't squat if you're. Uh, I don't know. Well, the other thing about it is you you can't go into a squat workout without having you know focus i mean and not not just like i'm doing my arms today focus i'm talking about you're going to have some weight on your back now all of your senses are alive man and you better be 
ready to go. Nobody's going to squat heavy weight and be thinking about anything else. That was one of the things that that <laughs> I, I, I knew separated a, a really strong squatter from somebody who's sort of like a three-quarter, half squatter, that kind of thing. The guy who can just bury it with that total focus and every set is all out um, as far as you know determination and all that. I, I think squat sets apart, man. It's great with that. It's the closest we come to you know, getting in a wingsuit and jumping off of, you know, the Alps. Yeah. You know how, what? It, um, I, was, I forgot who it was. it was. I don't know if it was Kirk or Rob Wagner, one of those guys I was talking to. And I said, man, some people just are so tentative. And they said, well, it's weird because if people can't see the weight, they're scared of it. And I've never, that never occurred to me before, but I've, I've talked to a few people about that. And I was like, what, what happened on that set? You know, and it's a fear factor. Yeah. That, see, in a, you can see the weight in the deadlift. You can see it. You know, you're squatting with, without it, a mirror. Bars it is a fear factor. I mean, look what happened to Marty that one time. You, you know, there, there's some serious, serious things that can go down when you have that weight on your back. How much of the squat is mental? You know, I, 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 any good squatter has to go to a deep, dark place on your PRs, whatever. I mean, it requires so much concentration. It requires that you go to a whole other place sometimes. You guys know what I'm talking about. That's the beauty of it. That's yeah. the beauty of it. It's like um, it's it's like um, you know uh, just training your mind to uh, meditate almost while you got the uh, the bar on your back. You, you better. Yeah. <laughs> you know you can call it whatever you want, but it's it is a form of meditation. I mean, it has to be. If meditation is uh, focusing and concentrating and clearing the mind. Uh, well, guess what? That's what we do now in with squatting, because it is one of the three short range of motion power lifts. You can get some aggression on, right? Because it's a short, oh, yeah. a sh short burst. It's not complex. It's not like you're having to do a clean and jerk or something like that. But, you know, so you can, you can get aggressive, which brings another element of psych into the equation. Yeah, uh, that's at the higher levels. At that now, you you're expected to uh, to get psychologically worked up for that top set. In fact, you the elite lifters will marshal that that psych. They're not going to waste it on the you know the warm up set. They have to. They have, they know they have a finite. It's like nitrous oxide. Right. They have a finite amount, right? So they're going to marshal it save it for the top set efforts. And again, if you're doing more than one top set effort in the workout, you can't blow 100% of it on, you know, the first one. So again, it's a marshalling, it's a marshalling of psychic energy. I always think like you should be fairly buzzing during all your warm-ups. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? And then buzzing. Yeah. That next, that next class warm-up, that buzz is just a little, that humming, yeah. that Vibrations just a little stronger, and then when you get to that top set, man, it's like a, a volcano, man. I'm, I'm fired up just here listening to you talk. I, I got chills all the way down my arms. <laughs> Marty, who were you talking about? Uh, was it Kirk that would get chills on his on his arms when he was? Oh, Hugh. No, that was what Hugh. Was oh, that was Hugh. Yeah, Cassidy was a great psyker. He was a quiet psyker. He had was like um, a Zen psyker. He was. He had this thing he called him cooling breaths. And within three cooling breaths, and he he would demonstrate, and he'd he'd attain like the first posture in Tai Chi is the, you're standing, you're just standing, right? And he would attain like that kind of a posture, and he'd take three cooling breaths, and his um, forearms would change color, 
and the hairs in his arms would stand up, his pores would open up, and it was weird. I mean, he was like it was a phys- uh, it was a physical manifestation of an internal state he was putting himself in. Yeah, and and he would routinely lift fifty more pounds in competition than he yeah. had in training. Yeah, he was a game. He was a gamer. Yeah. I'll notice if I'm going past my human capacity or whatever. I'm just going, yeah. you know, because that's what your, your goal is always to go past that level that you did before. But so at that are. point, at that point, sometimes I'll get goosebumps and it'll just yeah. give you chills because you're like shocking your body. Your body is going like, what the hell's going on? You're mm-hmm. killing me here. Um, sure. But I mean, if you can do that safely, yeah, that's, that's where you want to go. And that's, that's where the games are. Yeah, that's, that's where the games are. Like. Of course, that's where they are. Where, where, where else would they be? That's right. Right in modest effort, where you're doing a half, half ass set of squats, not really paying attention, and you know, thinking about you know whatever. No, that's it's impossible. Yeah, don't even go mm-hmm. and and do anything. Don't go to the gym if you're going to do that. I stick mean, to the machines. Stick to the seated leg. Press. What is that thing? The, the leg extension. See your leg extensions. Stick to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, just do that. I mean, but I don't know. You know, I always see a lot of people in the gym, and I don't know if they're just at the gym to to feel better mentally that they're there doing something, but nobody goes to failure or whatever. I see a lot yeah. of guys just going from machine to machine. Yeah. I'm thinking... Okay, maybe the, in the guy's mind, it's like, okay, I'm here, I'm moving around, I'm doing something, it's better than nothing. I'm doing but, fitness. You can go the next year, he'll look exactly the same. Exactly the same. And he'll That's, be there at the same time, doing yeah. the same exercises, for the same poundages, in the same way. You know, and, and not everybody wants to become a muscle man or a, you know, a, a world powerlifting champion. But I think if you're going to take the effort to get to the gym, uh, you know... Bust your butt. Make something happen. Um, and it ain't easy to get uh, massively huge and all that. You know, a lot of girls are worried about getting, you know, I'll, I'll get too big. That just don't happen just like that. So don't be scared of that. That takes a lot of different things. In, I, tell the, uh, I tell the females they have to work, work twice as hard for half the games. <laughs> no, it's true. Some and of them do. I've heard guys say that. I just want to look athletic. Listen, man, I'm trying to get huge. I'm killing myself to get, you know, it's like saying, yeah. I want to get my driver's license. They, they must be, they, Jimmy, they must be hard gainers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was always an easy gainer. Their frame. <laughs> I, felt, I felt guilty for being an easy gainer. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it, it, it wasn't easy. No. But I knew how to shatter myself without hurting myself. And that goes back to your techniques. You can, you need to continually assault the barriers. I don't care what the lift is. I don't care what the drill is. I don't care what you're doing. You need to assault your current capacities. Otherwise, where, where's the adaptive response? Well, I mean, that's the thing. what? I was thinking when you said effort? Come on. When you said take some time off and go back to it, I was thinking about that soreness. So your yeah. body adapts so well when you're squatting once a week for years, and then yeah. you take a little, 
we switch it up a little bit, do yeah. some fronts or do some hacks yeah. or something like that. You come back to that back squat. And the interesting thing is that when you come back, you realize how much muscle is involved in the yeah. back squat. You realize the next day when you're sore and you're yeah, going, oh, my God. Your quads, your glutes, <laughs> your hams, all that stuff, it's it's hit a different way than anything else you can do. Any any squatting motion, that back squat, man. And uh, what and yeah, what a yeah. good way to, to really shock the body and trip it up and just confuse it and get started back on your gains again. When we have five, when we uh, we do seminars, we teach five sequential variations. And the first three, you don't have a bar on your back. The first three is no way to goblet, which we love, to front squat. Right? So... You, you have those three before you earn the right to do high bar back squat. And then and only then do we let our people do low bar back squat. I think that is such a, a great way to teach the squat. And you guys actually made a bunch of videos. We have them on uh, YouTube. So if anybody wants to go, I forget what the titles are. Probably Marty Gallagher squat or something like that. Herculean muscle growth with crash weight gaining formula number seven and Joe Weider principle continuous tension number 72. Right. And li liquid aminos. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and liver tablets. Oh no, Mega Mass four thousand. Yeah, <laughs> with the with exact with fifty percent sugar. <laughs> Listen, we're dating ourselves now. Be careful. It went down, it went down so easy. <laughs> You're right. That was the stuff you could never mix up. You'd throw it, you no, know. No. You'd throw the scoops in the in the glass. And it would remain just a clump, and you would try to drink it, but you'd just end up eating it. Like, you'd have to go get a spoon and <laughs> scoop it out like it was ice cream or something. Well, you got to throw some ice cream in it. <laughs> Marty, when you when you were talking about uh, Keys to Progress, yes. was McCallum doing the uh, breathing thing, too, yeah. with the pullovers yeah. and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I got. Will you guys try that, or were you just doing the? Yeah, Olympics? yeah, no, we didn't do a set of squats without doing a set of pullovers with our twenty-five pound exercise bar. Are you familiar with that, JP? They the they used to think that expanded your rib cage, correct? Uh, we, I have a big rib cage. We used to do that. Yeah, the the oh, you thing okay. was you were gonna you were gonna expand the cartilage between the ribs. I love the pullover, by the way. I love that's a great. Now, these were these were straight arm pullovers. Yeah, with a barbell, right, Marty? Yeah, with a barbell. We, and we just, did them with and, dumbbells. Well, that's because you didn't know what you were doing. You're supposed to do them with barbell, <laughs> and you're supposed to supposed to have your arms straight. You go, you stretch back, you yeah. relax the delts and let it stretch you, stretch you, stretch you, and it pulls your your rib cage up like you're deboning a chicken. Right? Yeah. You would set of squat, a set of back squats, and immediately the pullovers. Twenty reps, back and forth. I didn't do squats without pullovers for five years. How about it? How yeah. about, and, and what did you think you got out of it? A bigger rib cage. Really? Yeah. Can you imagine when we're all I, old? I, I, and, I bet you had some strength endurance after that. Can you imagine oh, when we're ran, all old oh, we and were, fragile? We were cardio animals, man. We ran everywhere. We played every sport. I was writing an article about that. We played football. We had so many kids when I grew up. I grew up in the baby boomer era. And so you'd go outside and we'd have a, we'd have enough kids for full football and baseball teams Damn. every day. Yeah. And you'd have guys on the sideline waiting to get in, but they weren't good enough. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
You guys and that's just we had so many people. We didn't have kids. Kids were kicked out. <laughs> right. They weren't. There was no reason to stay in the house. They're not going to. Nobody watched TV during the day because it was all adult programming. There was no video games. You had five so, stations. So either go down to the basement in the winter or get out. Mm-hmm. And everybody was outside anyway. And everybody was congregating outside. And, you know, I threw through the baseball back and forth with my neighbor next door when there was nothing else to do. We'd mindlessly throw the baseball as hard as we could to one another, which is because there was nothing else to do. Or, you know what I mean? It was just, that's a different era, but it made us incredibly fit as uh, humans because we were running around, we were lifting weights. And again, we're lifting the weights three times a week because we didn't know any better. We're squatting three times a week, benching three times a week. Man, we didn't do a lot of deadlifting back then. We did uh, the clean, the power clean, the snatch, that, you know, the Olympic lift stuff. But a lot of uh, the squat was stressed. And um, I think I squatted my first 500 at 17. And that was in one of the first powerlifting competitions. And that was at 195 pound body weight. Man, that's pretty darn good. That's right, buddy. <laughs> 17, huh? 500 pounds? Yep. In in a competition. And the first words that Hugh Cassidy ever said to me, he came up to me at that competition. First words, and I knew who he he was. He was a big deal. And he came up to me and said, hey, kid, I dig your squat style. That's all you need to hear, brother. Then he walked off. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) So your squat style must have been, was it similar to his at that time? No, he looked. He wanted that uprightness that we Olympic right. lifters had, and he right. wanted the depth that we effortlessly a- achieved. Right. So <clears> when <throat> when you ended up uh, lifting with him years down the road, uh, so it was kind of easy to you adapted to his style. Which... Uh, I didn't. I didn't need a lot of help in the squat, but I, I needed right. his help in the bench press and the deadlift. Yeah. And I used his. Um, template twice a week you work mm-hmm. up to your top set whatever your periodized number is might be you know set to eight four weeks out set to fives in the middle and then triples and doubles and singles in the last four weeks but each week you're doing two sets of back offs with i don't know 70 to 80 to 90 pounds less <clears throat> right super strict so he called the back offs the hallmark of his program uh, we kind of got rid of the back offs down the road. We, we just didn't have the gas for it. It was too much. And we cut his volume from twice to once. But his techniques, the emphasis on the fives, the depth, uh, all the things that we could do to make the squat harder, that's what we embraced. Um, and it seems like nowadays everything is about what do we do to make the squat easier. Right. Everything. Right. Right. I think that's critical. That's why we'd rather see a person do a beautiful goblet squat than some sort of, you know, bend forward, low bar back squat with, you know, 450 that, you know, at some point is going to end in some horrific spine, spinal disc injury. Just from the technique, you can tell. I mean, anytime somebody bends forward with 400 pounds, that's not a good thing. (laughs) Well, I was thinking, I was training this guy one time, my friend Larry, first time squatting, and he got down and rounded, rounded his back, and his ass came up, and I was like, ooh, like that. Like, what happened? What happened? I don't do that. 
Well, tell him, straight, tell him how you hurt your back. He said, uh, every time you, you go, ooh, that's bad, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's bad. Tell, tell them how, they, how you messed up your back, Jim, doing oh, those stiff leg deadlifts. I was in college, 325, standing on a bench. Was uh, that, was your, wait, wait. that was your body weight? Or the, no, that was, that was the weight on the bar. I was, I was about 250. And uh, coach was like, okay, round your back, come down oh. to pose with the bar. And then at the bottom to increase much, the stretch. How much weight? 325. Oh, reach out. Reach out at the bottom oh. and pull it back in. And I and I uh, I always think that it was an audible pop of my disc, but <laughs> it just felt you know inside my head I heard it go pop, you know. Oh I God. used to do those too. That's like a pepper grinder to your discs, you know. Yeah, it's not the best thing, but you know there's shitty coaches, crappy coaches hey. out there, and, and you know that's what inspired me partially to be a coach. You know, I didn't want to see that happen to people. You brought up a great point when you brought up Tom Platt's. He's the bodybuilder that launched squats. Yeah. Before him, nobody wanted to do them. No one really saw the need to do them. I mean, they did them, but it was almost out of, um, you know, expected. They didn't put any more emphasis on their squatting than they did on their seated leg extensions. He sort of put into words what I was. When Platt showed up and they said, oh, my God, how did you get those legs? He goes, Super deep squats with a narrow stance, and I can do 650 for reps, and that's why my legs look like this. Yeah, yeah. And and everyone went, oh, of course. He was an absolute maniac, the things he did with his legs. I mean, how about on the hack squat? He would do, like, sissy squats on the hack squat. Yeah, he had some bulletproof knees for that one. Yeah. Well, he was all about bodybuilding is all about uh, you know how many reps you can get to pump a muscle up the its size you know it's like 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 pumping a ball up with a with a, a an air pump yeah he, well, he his love strength, strength training is different he right. started out with olympic lifters uh, i know and he was a good power lifter he could have been a nationally ranked power lifter if he had decided to stay in powerlifting there's no doubt in my mind they respected powerlifters, Olympic lifters, guys yeah. in the work. Yeah. And his and the, the lesson to be learned from his squat style is, yeah, his, his stance was a little narrow for me. His knees went a little too far forward for me. But I didn't get him as a kid. If I'd got him as a kid, I would have straightened that stuff out, right? He Those little flaws that he has in his technique, they, he he turned them into advantages over the years, but you can't really. That's not how you would replicate with someone new to squatting. You wouldn't say you want to squat like Tom Platts because of the knee, the knee trap. He just he he built himself up right. in and that. He was built, and, yeah, and the, the way he was built. Yeah. Uh, but he he developed his squats were all leg because of the depth. Yeah. He went as far as humanly possible on every rep. He stayed upright. He didn't bend forward. He didn't use any tricks to to get through the sticking point. He leaned into the sticking point. He powered through the sticking point. And in his case, it was many sticking points because he was really into the high rep. Psychologically, you can do another one. You can do another one. Your pain barrier, you know what I mean, extending the pain barrier. That's really not applicable or appropriate in this, the athletic and the strength world. It's appropriate in the uh, 
Hypertrophy. the bodybuilding world of let's pump a muscle up maximally, but there's no strength, there's no athletic carryover to that uh, super high rep pain stuff. There's a there's a great video of Tom Platt squatting on YouTube, and we've talked about this before, but he's got what was the weight, Jim? Uh, like five twenty five, and he's yeah. he does uh, he bottoms out with five twenty five for like what is it twenty five thirty reps? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Twenty two. Twenty two. And Kaz Kaz was spotting him. Kaz came yeah, out. Yeah, I know. Good. And said they were fake weights. I, I heard that too, but I mean, can you imagine? I, I really doubt that Tom Platts is going to stay his whole reputation. Yeah, no, I think if anybody could do it, he could do it. Of course, of course. K- K- yeah, yeah. Cass said the same thing about um, Anderson. Yeah, I tell you who else. You know, uh, one of the first conversations I had with Kirk, I was competing in the USPF Nationals. I think, and that was me and Brad's first one, I think. And Kirk wasn't competing. He was selling his DVD. Uh-huh. And it was a VHS. But I went over to talk to him. I said, man, you competing today? He said, nah, I just squatted 515 for 15 yesterday, so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and again, uh, the reason that he did that, I'm sure, is because that's all the weight that they had in hand. <laughs> yeah. A common problem with Kirk, yeah. Yeah, we haven't even brought up Kirk. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, it, I forget that I coached and trained the greatest squatter in the history of powerlifting. It escapes me. You know, I don't even think of it. I don't, but, yeah, I did, didn't I? Yeah, he was dead. Yeah, from a real young age, too. Uh, yeah, we had to revamp Kirk when he first came to us. He, he, was, uh, he was wild. He was, uh, his walkouts were, whoa, whoa. You know, he's like, stop, just stand still. And, and um, so he gets set up, and he was really into the, uh, you know, the inflated kind of showboaty end of it to the chalk box. And, you know, and, and obviously he was an extrovert. His, uh, his ego was a little ahead of his performance at this point, right? So we had to stripping back down and kind of taught him this pause squat without the pause approach where he had to, he had to, the thing is he had to control his walkout and then he had to control his negative, his squat negative. He was just doing some sort of crazy release and crash thing. And, you know, it was, uh, his depth was inconsistent while well, it was consistently high by USPF standards. So we had to get him down. We had to bring him down two to three inches and um, it was tough. It took us a couple of years to to get him to the point where his his squat technique was consistent, and he felt good about it. It's like you know, because you can change. The most obvious thing to change about a squat is a squat stance width. Yeah, changing two inches is a huge. It's a totally different exercise. Change four inches, and it's like you're you're into seam splitting territory. And we're looking at guys like Dave Jacoby and Joe Ladnier who were taking like like six-step walkouts and who are squatting so wide, you know, and we're like looking at this going now, should we be doing that? Because Kirk is still formulating. He's not, he's a 20-whatever, three-year-old guy. He's still, he's a work in progress. 
<clears throat> so you think about these things as the coach and as the athlete. It's like, you know, I wonder if we should open these stance with, uh, you know, I wonder, you know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if we should change that bar placement slightly, you know. Um, we got the bar roll thing. Uh, Kirk was had this thing about his elbows, keep your elbows down, keep them tight. He, he was real, real strong on on some of his some of his unique body strengths he he really honed in on uh and again he developed this all leg style of squatting and as a result he got gigantic legs and as he got gigantic legs he got a bigger squat and as he got a bigger squat his legs got bigger and he ate more food you know what i mean he just kept going, and going. what was what were his legs at their max what, what, what i had, don't 30, know 32, i can't 33 nah, yeah at least i mean they were 34 they were gigantic and they were completely delineated that was the weird thing he had a <clears throat> at his best he had a low body fat percentile and for him at the time, um, you know, I, I was uh, sitting in the front row at the Olympia and the Arnold Classic and the uh, Night of Champions for Weeder, so I knew bodies. That's for damn sure. And I look at Kirk and I'm thinking, mm, 9%. Jimmy, at his peak, I'm thinking like, mm, 9% body fat. I think that he went down to that 242. Well, now I'm not talking 42. I'm talking 75. I'm talking when he, that 42 was different. Yeah, he got down lower. For sure, but at his giganticest, which was a uh, tight 275, that was the thousand for two, 800 for five cycle. Yeah, he's he, I'm saying nine percent, weighing a full 280, and uh, his hanging arm was 21 inches before he flexed it. Just hanging there, it was like, yeah, oh, and yeah, he's only right. five seven. Yeah, right. And he's just a block of granite on the hoops. <laughs> thick, he looks, thick, thick. He looks like a safe. <clears throat> yeah, right, that's real thick. <laughs> like a safe, you know, and he had that kind of density. And again, uh, this is a guy who, who went to no, no equipment in the off season, um, manipulated his body weight. That's another thing that we should talk about is squats and body weight. Uh, the classic combination was, is that when you got serious about squatting, where we would go to the four quarter day, whole milk thing. And, you know, that is like the most politically incorrect thing you can say on the face of the earth today. But for, you know, 10 years, a decade, uh, that's what everybody who was anybody in the progressive resistance world. If you if you were serious about your game, uh, the first thing you needed to do was whether you were an Olympic lifter, a bodybuilder or a power lifter, you needed to gain some damn muscle. You don't have milk. Here, no right? one cared about seeing a cut 13-inch arm or seeing a, a you know a really great 180-pound press or uh, you know a 400-pound deadlift. If you wanted the big lifts, if you wanted the big muscles, you had to be big. So the first thing was let's get big. So to that end, we slammed calories. We like sumo wrestlers. We ate heavy, and in combination with the heavy eating. We trained three times a week, heavy, hard as we could go, these whole body sessions. In addition to that, <clears throat> we're playing sports on our off days, so we are got that cardio thing going. So, you know, you get the whole thing going together, and it's almost like, Jim, as you know, you get to that metabolic sweet spot where you can throw just about anything down a, a kid's mouth with yeah. a blazing metabolism, and it just converts. It's like... 
It's like throwing uh, anything in. You, you could throw a mattress into a blazing inferno, and it just oxidizes. Yeah, yeah. But that's a great. I love that story where you. you I forgot who you were training with at, at Hughes, but you'd stop at the Seven Eleven after one of those, <laughs> one of those workouts where he doing the back offs and doing the pulls and all yeah. that squats and. Would you drink a quarter milk a piece or something? Just sitting there. Oh leaving? no, no, no. We would. We no. We had a pre-dump. When we walked up, as we wobbled up, we'd finish the workout. Okay. And thank God, Cassidy had a railing on the stair step going up from the basement. <laughs> we're, 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 we're climbing that thing like we're on the final ascent of Everest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're wearing, <laughs> and we're wearing oxygen masks, right? And we're pulling ourselves up the stairs, and there's like six of us. Six of the biggest guys you've ever seen in your life. I trust you. Trust me, and we're pulling ourselves up, and we wobble out to the car, which in the parking lot, and we each get our half gallon of milk. Okay. And we sit in the car, and we're shaking, and we're drinking, and Cassie, he's fine with it. Cassidy's in his metal shop, you know, making some weird, strange, you know, ghoul, um, you know, and we're sitting there doing drinking the milk, and we're talking about what, what happened, and you know, everybody grew. Everybody got bigger. It worked. Um, you know, my training partners, I mean, like Joe Ferry, I trained, I trained every day of my life with Joe Ferry and Marshall Peck. And both those guys were 700 pounds. Well, well, Marshall got up to a 785 squat. He said to me, he said, I am scared to do 800. I quit. I'm going backwards. And he, he went back to that 750 range and he was good with that. But you had talked about that earlier about that fear factor. Yeah. And Marshall was, man, I said, brother, you got it. You're going to join the 800 club. And he got up to 785, and he made it. It was kind of parallel, but, you, you know, it was like, all right, yeah. come on, man, let's go. And he said, no. He said, he said, he always called me, he called me Doc. He said, Doc, I've been thinking about it. He said, no, I'm not going to go to 800. He said, it freaks me out. And he said, I will tell you that. And he said, you, he said we're going to tell everybody else I'm injured. And I said, no problem. Uh. So, I mean, he went back. He was fine with the 750. Uh, and, you know, but I trained with Joe Ferry, 700 squatter, 700 deadlifter, 500 bencher, 198. Mm. I mean, these are great, great lifters. And, and, again, but everything was centered around the squat. The way we deadlifted, it, and, again, Chalet, you know, Chalet was uh, Cassidy. Uh, Chalet and Dimidup, they were, and, you know, they got their their uh, uh, technical cues from Hugh, too. And, um, you know, again, push the squat up, the deadlift automatically went up. Uh, yep. But you had to squat and you had to deadlift the way that we did, which was the Cassidy formula. And it worked. And, you, and even today, Jim, I know that regardless of whatever I squat, without training for it, I'm good for 50 more in the deadlift. Now, if I train for the deadlift, I know I will be good for a hundred more. Mm. But I always have that in my hip pocket. No matter where I'm at, no matter what level I'm squatting at, I know I'm good for 50 more in the deadlift that day. Right. 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 And if I train for four weeks, I'm good for a hundred more. Just because of my past history. Yeah. So, to me, the, the key is at this point, we we'll just, just push the damn squat up. Yeah. <laughs> I have my I have my deadlift technique down. It's like your golf swing, you know, uh, deadlift technique or squat technique. It's like a golf swing or a bat swing or a tennis swing or, you know, uh, you either swing like Tiger Woods or you golf swing like Lawrence Taylor, you know, or uh, what was that other big goon who played in the NBA? I loved him, uh, the uh, the big giant. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, you either have great technique in your swing 
you either swing a bat like Willie Mays or you swing a bat like a goon, you know. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that goons can have big squats, but it doesn't mean that you copy them. Right. Just because a guy squats a thousand with terrible technique, it doesn't mean that you looking at this go, that's what I want to do. No, you don't do that. You, you, you have to have a, a, a strong technical archetype and, we, and you don't want to hurt yourself when you're squatting. And how do you do that? You have to keep the, the vertebrae aligned. If your shoulders get in front of your knees, you're putting your spine at risk. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and, I, and you know, we talk about Kirk, you said his walkout. What I learned from Kirk was everything ha- has to be the same all the time. So when you train, you know, you train the same way you're going to compete. So that means your hands are going to be in the same place. You're going to, you know, how we take the bar off aggressively, let the weight settle, look down at your feet, you know, step by step every single time. So then when you get into a contest or you're hitting really heavy weight, it's nothing for you. You just go back to your training, just like the military always tells us. Now nah, my training just took over. But the same thing in the yeah. squat. Yeah, and every every set is an opportunity to improve technique. Yeah, and, and that's why you get somebody with you who knows what the hell they're doing to say, yeah, it was good, man. But look, I think the bar was, you know, a little bit forward on that one, or you know, or you're, you know, you're 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 not turning your toes out quite enough, or just that educated eye really helps. I've been fortunate when I was starting. Well, again, now now we're in the the, the beautiful era of remote coaching, and the phone camera takes the coach right into the room with the trainee. I am working with people in Switzerland. I am working with people in Great Britain. I am working with people in West Germany. I am working with people in California, all over, and everybody just takes me into the 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 weight room and they they send me their top set and the squat the bench the deadlift the overhead press and then we have a conversation about it and it's fantastic because i can see what's going on right yeah. it's you know and again you look at the squat and it's so easy i thought well i'm working with the, with one fellow who's local and uh he's an older guy and he's was is a great athlete has been a great athlete and is still you know he's got it together but he's just big and He's lost that ability to get down low, right? Because he's just so tight in his hips and his abductors and, you know, and he's, plus he doesn't live his life down there. He didn't do anything down there. Why, you know, what does he care? So, but, so we put, we put him on the cross core and just had him do the lean back thing, JP. Yeah. And just relax at the bottom and just like, okay, now just, just, it's okay. Just, you know, and, and he was like holding the, holding the hell out of all the straps. I got that. I just, just relax your grip, brother. It's okay. It's okay. Right. And it gives like, you confidence. Oh. Yeah. It and gives you confidence in going like, down. Yes. Yep. And then stand up from there. So <clears throat> now you're still, you're, you're, you're getting good results from your cross court. I am. Well, speaking of squats, you know, I, I haven't barbell squatted in a while because I've got some problems with my L5 in that area. But I'm doing these pistol squats, you know, these one-legged squats holding on to the cross-core handles. And I'll tell you, you know, I'm, uh, I, I'm really just taking all the stuff that I learned from you, you know, em- embracing the, the negative and coming down slow, using grind speed. Coming, now, I'm coming down to a 90 because i got a couple of new yeah. problems too. But I'm pausing at a 90 and then grinding it up. I'll tell you, man, I've been getting some killer workouts out there. And then I'll finish it up with some um, 
some planking leg curls. So I'll put oh, my legs. Nice, nice. And I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but put your heels in those straps. It's a good one. And with the cross core, you have the independent movement. So what you're yeah. doing is you're planking, and as you're mm-hmm. curling your legs in, you're you're pushing the hips, you're driving the hips forward and, and up. And you get such a contraction. I'll tell you what, it'll light your, your hamstrings on fire. It's one of the best uh, the hamstring exercises I've ever done. Jim, you can also change the angle to such a degree that you can hit the upper insertion point, you know, with the ham insert yeah. of the butt. And all the, the smart sprint guys are saying that's where the speed comes from, is that insertion point, that the low insertion point. That's where, yeah. The high and and the way that you get that is that kind of that, like you do the leg curl, but at the end you lift the knee even higher, you know, and that puts the that puts the contraction back in that upper that upper insertion point. And it feels like it, it feels like it's gonna like like cramp on you, doesn't it, JP? Oh yeah, I mean it's intense. It is intense and it burns. And I'm shooting for reps of about uh, eight to ten. Nice. You know, and I'm just same thing with the squats. I, I mean, I'm just grinding it through, and then at the bottom of the exercise, I'm just keeping that tension, and I'm planked up. You know, you're planked the whole time, and as you curl in, you drive the hips up, you're real slow. How often are you doing that? How? How what? How often are you are you doing? Um. That? Well, you know, once a week. Once a week. Okay. Once a week, yeah. So I'm doing that. Yeah. And, and then, please, before you go on, we beg of you, we beg of you, we beg of you, please, 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 do not do any calf work. Well, I was just gonna, <laughs> I was just gonna go into my calf workout real quick. <laughs> no, should I stop? You won't be able to wear pants. No, <laughs> I don't wear pants. I wear shorts. Clam oh. diggers. I wear, uh, yeah. So I mean, go lots. I throw for the, in for the, for the listening audience. JP was born with 21-inch calves. I mean, they look like they look like they've been in, inserted with helium. Yeah, I mean, even Brad Gillingham is impressed by him. So that's saying oh, something. Boy, JP, you got the ointment going on your calves. <laughs> yeah, speed. Yeah, please don't make them any bigger. <laughs> no, but um, hey, let me go back to. Um, technique for a minute because i just want to say something and marty you're such a great example of um using the the proper technique from an early age as you get older um it really saves your butt i'll tell you what because you now you know you're uh right around 70 years old so let's just be transparent but 39. You've been you've been squatting for over fifty years, and you were a eight hundred plus pound squatter back in the day. And I asked you a long time ago. I go, Marty, how is your back not all screwed up? How are your knees all not all screwed up? And you told me specifically because I had the very best coaching from the age of fourteen or fifteen, whatever you told me. And that is exactly right. And I think every but you know the younger guys. You know, we were the same way. We thought we were indestructible and all that. But when you get in your 30s, 40s, you start feeling those aches and pains. And I just wish now, you know, being 48, that I would have had the coaching that I would have had, you know, like you had, because I wouldn't have this back pain. I wouldn't have this torn meniscus. You know, there's issues. So get a good coach 
call these guys up, call Marty or call Jim, get dialed in, and you may be pain-free now because you're young and you know you feel strong and feel great, but trust me, man, it's, it's one of the best investments you can make is to get proper coaching and learn that technique and stay healthy you know, into your, your older age. And, and there's a lot of folks out there that are loose ends that have been working with, with competent fitness professionals that are no longer uh, able to. And you need to be aware of that. There is competent help available. And th- this modern era of remote coaching makes it so easy. And so it, we have our strategies down to the point we've been doing this for so long now that it's just you're you have your own personal trainer at your fingertips yeah jim you know i mean the videos you know it's just like being there you know it's the next best best thing and and you know i just took on a couple kids that were i think they're 15 and 16 and you know told their dad i need everything all their top sets of the big lifts for the first week and then we broke it down, and you could see it. You could see them in just little changes, just little things. Yeah. You know? Or it could be big, big things. Um, but you can make them because you can see them, and it's as good as being there. And you have their assessment. You have their written assessment. So you know what, what they did, what their warm-ups were, what their top sets were. Right. Then we, I have them assess. Oh, and how difficult was it? Then I compared what their assessments are with what my own assessment is viewing it. Right. And I, I, hopefully that we, we have the same assessment, right? That he says it's a seven. I say it's a seven in terms of effort. This allows us to, to plot our next move. And a lot of times the next move will be backwards because we, we need to re, uh, reaffirm a technique that is that needs, you know, needs further work. We can't go on until this technique is ingrained and, and, and being used. Yeah, there may be, a, may be a case where you say, okay, now we're going to work on that depth. Let's, we're going to do some pauses. Here's how I want them to look. You know, your yeah. top set of uh, <clears throat> the pauses I need to see. Though We may stay with that for yeah. three or four weeks. I, I, or I might reduce the poundage by 25. Oh, you have to. Yeah. Right. I'm just saying, and it's like, you know, we've got to get, uh, you know, this is, no, we can't. We can't go on because you'll just ingrain yeah, the bad the, form. The bad techniques. You can't, and that's the whole idea. And for example, we're still I'm still working with uh, the one fellow on on the low squat and getting him to relax into the bottom. But you know, being able to maintain that uprightness and being able to get down lower than he's gotten in oh, decades, coming up, just coming up five reps is like because he's a big guy. I mean, that's a hell of a workout. Yep. Right. And it's and then from that, how easy is just to go to a kettlebell under your chin or a dumbbell under your chin? So he's got months and months of really beneficial work using either nothing, his own body weight or a very light, light dumbbell. And, and the gains that he's going to make are going to be astronomical. Yeah. You know, JP, you're talking about longevity. You know, the motion of squatting, whether it's with weight or a dumbbell or a barbell, you have to keep doing that your whole life. Yep. You have to, you, you know, if you haven't been getting down into a squat position, my dad always said there's two things that you lose when you get older. The ability to run backwards. Think how many, think how many people when you get older, you know, what, what's the need? You don't do it, right? Yeah. And then 
to squatting a deep squat, a deep squat. Well, imagine, imagine, be there. You know, imagine just in real life how many people can't sit up out of a chair. That's a squat. Yeah. Well, it's the use it or lose it. Exactly. Right. right. And your body will say, oh, well, I haven't been that deep because there's no need to. So there's why no would you be that deep? Yeah. You have to reset the, uh, the tension point in that squat. And you, you, you don't need – the great thing about it is I'll have my people hang on to a banister or a pole. Yeah. I don't care about the damn balance. Yeah. We don't do our doorknobs. Well, you want them to get them to understand where, you know, that feeling of where they need to be. Yeah. Which is all the way down and upright. And yes, it's it's going to be tight and it's going to feel excruciating. But you just, you've got to get down there and you just let go. And you take it as long as you can. But when you come up, your knees are pinned down. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't let the knees come in, right, to slide through the sticking point. The knees are out. You're going to hit the sticking point. You really got to push to get through it. And that's one rep. Then you go down each time you have to relax and go deeper each rep. You got to relax and go deeper. Right. And, and after numerous sets of that, if you get to three sets by the third, by the fifth rep of the third set, they're down a lot deeper. Yeah. Now they all might only be able to do three, but that's okay because they're giving it a hundred percent and they're failing safely. It's like, well, there's no danger in failing with no weight. Right. Take it to failure. It doesn't matter. It's like doing push-ups. You know, to, well, okay, so you fail. So what? Let's go. Right. Yeah. Hey, so, yeah. Marty, real quick, just go through the just go through the squat from start to finish. The technique, just sure. real quickly, just glide uh, to actually, it. You know, Jim. You mean like like taking it out of the rack? Taking it out of the rack. Yeah, it, Jimmy. Jimmy knows it. Describe the, the stance. Hey, all that. Take it, Jim. Go first on, you want to do. First, yeah. you want to do is get your grip now. You know, the, as as I've aged a little, my my grip has widened out all, all the way out to the collars. Because really, your but, shoulders, you know, right? Yeah, but yeah, if you yeah. can get some, <laughs> if you can get somebody to get that a, a grip where it's not so yeah. tight that they're leaning, you know, because it, it feels like it makes you lean a little bit. Yeah. Something yeah. decently comfortable, but keeps that upper back tight. And the, the tighter, the tighter, the better. I mean, we yeah. want to wear squat, right? Yeah, and if you're small and and or if you're new, you can get your hands right next and just you 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 wedge into that thing, right? You don't stay loose in your upper body, right, Jim? Yeah, you know, it's just real quick about the grip. I always, you know, everybody always says, "Oh, big guys can't do that." Look at Shane Hammond's, uh, how his his hands are pretty close. Mm-hmm. I remember watching him going, "Whoa, that big dude, three hundred some pounds, can do that." Um, so then you you know, a big mistake that I see is when guys go to take the bar off. They're one step short from getting all the way under the bar. That's right. Okay. You know, you, 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 I always tell them take one step further than you, than you're comfortable because your, you have to, your ankle should be under the bar. Right. Directly. Yes. Exactly. Directly under the bar. And you push straight up in your heels. You know what else drives me? That one when people put one leg under and one leg back. Oh, and, yeah. and I'm like, obviously you've never lifted heavy weights before because there's no way you're taking off six hundred with one leg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or they take it out and fall backwards. Yeah. And I'm and and I'm always thinking, you're gonna do thousands of these. Let's do it right every single time. So go ahead and take them through again. Take well, it out now you're well. all the way under the bar. Now I want mm-hmm. you to now right then. I, the, the set has begun when your hands have touched the bar. Okay, so there's no more fooling around. Now we're getting tight. Now we're taking this very seriously. And when you take that off, I don't want you to feel the weight. I don't want you to think, "Oh, I'm going to feel how this heavy is." I want how heavy this is. I want you to say to that weight, 
I'm going to crush you. I don't care how this, how heavy this is. And so when I take that off, I'm going to do like a mini squat out of the rack with, with that, like a violent takeoff, not sloppy, but I'm going to get everything tight. I'm going to take a deep breath, hold that breath and pop that weight up out of the rack. Because exactly. I own that weight, and I would never get under it unless I knew I own that weight, right? Now you're now you got to stand there for a second. Just let the weight settle. So you know you got your plates on there. The weights are spinning. The beauty of Olympic bars that it does roll with the movement. But now you want that to stop, and you want to get your bearings, right? right? Now all you have to do. Everybody walks too much. All you got to do is clear the rack. Just clear yes. the rack. Yeah. So you're going to look down at your feet, whether it's left so or right. The less the better. better. The less, the better. The less is more efficient. And the more weight you use, the, the more you'll realize this, that you don't want to do, you don't want to go for a walk, you know? Mm. So you look down, I look down at my left foot, I slide my left foot back, then I slide my right foot back, and then I get my stance width, okay? And then you now take I'm, any adjustment steps that you need. Right, exactly. But, and, we, and, you, you know, know, you know, you know, you know Cassidy used to make us measure our stance width with a tape measure, and then we put chalk marks on the floor. Yeah, so you know where to go every single time. Every time. And there'd be like four sets of chalk marks on the floor for the four guys that were training. Yeah, you want to and, grease the groove, grease the groove, uh, the correct form every single time. So right. go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Now, you, now, you know, now everything's super tight. Now, I, a big thing with people is they have to accept or embrace the uncomfortableness of the squat. If you got heavy weight on your back, don't think you're going to be, you know, you're going to try to take a full, huge breath. But if you've got some heavy weight on there and heavy is relative, right? Um, for you. You're going to try to take that huge breath. So I want you to think about that. Take the biggest breath you can. And if you got a belt on, you push against that belt. If you don't have a belt, then you're just pretending, you know, you're, you're creating that intra-abdominal pressure like a belt does. May, right? I make a, may I make a point? Yes, go ahead. At that point, you should be able to stand there all day. Right. That's what Cassidy used to say. That point where you've taken it out of the racks and you're ready to squat. Most people stand with their hips unlocked and their knees unlocked. And, and where's all that weight go? Right to your low back and you're like, damn. <clears throat> we call those energy leaks. That's it. If your hips are unlocked, that's an energy leak takes extra energy to stay upright if your knees are unlocked and in the ipf if your hips and knees are unlocked you don't get the start signal right. from the referee to squat so right. you get your facts learned real fast that no this isn't the amateur league okay you have to be quiet you have to you have to get focused and you know you've got to be able to stand there all day we used to have a drill where they'd put uh, stand in the racks with the supports underneath the bar couple three inches and just step back stand up set up right and just stand there yeah i'm always i always yell get your feet sick take your time you got all the time in the world yeah. as far as your setup because i you know the you know the the squat itself the motion is important but if your setup is wrong you're screwed i've i've competed where my setup was too close and i didn't get deep enough you know take your time i didn't know i could take my time surprising number of guys have what we call gluteal amnesia in both the squat and the deadlift, that like when they're standing there ready to squat, they can't flex their butts for some reason. They, just, <laughs> they can't get their, they can't get underneath and, and. Oh yeah, they keep them extend. They keep them behind them. Yeah, they keep them behind and they can't, they can't roll the the pelvis under and lock, right? And 
so that's an energy leak. And yeah. invariably, the guys that have that, their knees are unlocked because that's how they counter and keep the weight over the center. Of, they keep their center of gravity over the ankles in that way to start the squat. And it's too, it's, you, it's, it's incorrect. So anyway, at that point, you ready to unlock the knees, right? You want to break the hips. You got that breath. You want to break the hips, right? And, and you want to act like you're sitting on a very low stool behind you. It's funny because when, when, you, when you first start coaching a lot of people, if they haven't done a squat with the bar on their back, they lead with their knees. And you're like, how would you sit down? You'll never hit the toilet. You'll never hit the couch. Your knees will hit the ground before you sit down. Oh, God. So you got to make them break break the knees first. Now I like a neutral chin. You know, uh, you know, there's some there's different theory. I don't think you create enough tension with your head to do a whole bunch of anything. So um, let's just let's just think about having that neutral chin, and then as you descend and your butt goes out first, you want to be under control. So I always think you know, I'm a, I squat just a little faster than Marty emphasizes, but you have to be under control. Yep. So. So even the greatest squatters who squat fast have done it so much that they're under control. But if you notice, it's a glide, not a drop. And they got to put the brakes on at the bottom, right? Right. So you got that. Either and the way, fa- and the faster you go down, the harder you got to break. Jim, either what are way. we? What are we doing with the knees as we're descending? Well, you're, you're, if you're sitting, if you're, you sit back, if your butt is back, then your knees will almost, your chins will be almost vertical. Yeah, but but that. you're but you put you're pushing the knees out so that they don't oh, come yeah. in, yeah. right? Yeah. So and you know, a mark of a good coach, you know, you're you're noticing if there's a difference in in the knees. One coming in, you don't want that for sure. Both coming in, you don't want that for sure. It could be hips, it could be adductors. And what you do is it'll correct itself if you emphasize as you're coming out of the bottom, push your knees out, yeah, open up. Let's make it as hard as possible. That's yeah. the hardest possible way. The easiest way is to say, throw your knees in as you hit the sticking point. <laughs> That's a good way to screw your knees up. That's yeah, sure. a good way to screw your knees up. But you know what? It, it works on the front end when you're weak and small. Yeah, makes it easier. Makes, makes it easier. easier. And, you, and you see all kinds of guys that come to you. And that's their thing. They throw their, as soon as it gets tough, they throw, it might be a little bit and fast back out. It might be a lot and slow. It might, you know, it depends, but that's a, and it's unconscious. I mean, they don't really think about it other than the fact that it just seems an easier way to, you know, get through a difficult situation. Yeah. Well, I used to say, uh, put it back you got a piece of paper underneath your, your feet and you're pushing that paper out. You're spreading that paper out as you're coming out of the bottom. You know, or just open up to the to the what? open your knees up, open your knees, up, open your knees. Up. <laughs> what is he talking about? What? <laughs> Put paper under your yeah. Spread the paper. Spread the paper like you're to, ripping like it. one sheet to, of paper. Yeah, on under each under each uh, foot. Never so mind. you keep your knees is out. <laughs> is the paper joined, no, or is it two man, separate no. pieces? No, it's, it's two separate pieces. Yes, underneath your feet. Anyway, just open it. Open what kind hands. of paper is that, Jim? Is it rice paper? Notebook paper. All right, open things up. When you get to the... <laughs> I like to think about when you feel everything tighten up, you just get that little dip, push you through right below parallel, and drive up. And you're not driving. You're not driving with your head now. You're driving with your legs. I want you to think about driving with your quads. I want you to think of driving hard with your quads as hard as you can and all the way through the motion we talk about 
compensatory acceleration. Uh-huh. Uh, you want to push all the way through the, the movement, no matter what the weight is. And you, and you learn that by moving light to moderate weights quickly. Yeah, that's right. And then when you, yeah, you train your body to do that, Correctly. you got 90% on there, everything yeah. summating and pushing through. And you're Doug Furness. De- describe the uh, describe the bottom of the squat a little bit more. Are we we bouncing? Or are we suddenly horrific? horrific. S- right. So horrific. just describe the the motion from reversing from the descending to the ascending. Yeah. So I, what I what I think is when 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 I fe- personally when I feel my groin tighten up, it's like a, sp- a specific feeling. I'm looking for, I just get a little dip. I know I'm at parallel there. And then I just get that little dip to push me past the parallel and, you know, push myself up. And then a lot of people don't realize this is another thing just from training so many kids is that you have to push the weight's not going to do it for you. Right. You have to push as hard as you freaking can come. There's a lot of little mental things that I don't think coaches go over like that. Like when you're in the bottom of a squat, it feels like your head's going to explode. You, yeah. you want to get to that position. Yeah. You want to get there, you know. Uh, mm. And that's a natural uncomfortableness that you got to get used to if you're doing these correctly. You know, and, and you'll see guys dump it and you'll go, what's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, it felt like I was going to die down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, thinking, I'm always thinking push from the middle of my foot. Push from the middle of my foot. You know, drive up, drive, drive, drive. Yep, all the way through. At at this point, uh, I am actually I'm kind of uh, my turnaround point is as deep as I can go, mm-hmm. and I'll accept the lesser poundage. You know, and take the higher reps, and just don't worry too much about how much I'm moving, just as long as I'm moving it deeply. Yeah, I agree. And it, rather than try, uh, you know, I'm not competitive anymore. I'm not going into competition, so I'm not trying to find that barely below parallel depth. We used to do all kinds of things. We used to like string um, a bungee cord, yeah, uh, underneath the hips, so that each time you go down and touch the bungee cord, to find your depth on a consistent basis. Yeah. <laughs> right. How high was that bungee cord from the ground usually? I had to be, which it would depend. Like, a, like if you're training with a guy like Marshall Peck, he's a shorter guy than you. It's got to be uh, lower than, you yeah. know, I'm 5'10". It's got to be a different height. And I have long femurs. So, I mean, you know what I mean? It, it, everybody has yeah. an independent. We had power racks that had, I believe it was one and a half inch holes were set apart. So we had, we could like hook this bungee cord underneath the back power rack we had some sort of crazy setup it went Hmm. you'd go vertical i think or horizontal and your 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 butt would touch right at just at that point and you would use that as as how you you'd use that in combination whatever your stance with was 16 inches you know what i'm saying 15 whatever whatever your stance width was that's that's what you um yeah, I think, you know, talk about the depth. I've had kids say, "Okay, coach, I want to go up and wait." I say, "Here's the deal, man. You got to do a set of five here. Every rep that's not deep enough, because you want to go heavier. Every rep that's not deep enough, you got to do over." So we, you know, me and the coaches will be going, "Nope, nope, nope." <laughs> Pretty soon they learn, man. I get to set over if I just go deep on every rep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey. And again, uh, uh, the, uh, don't forget the camera. Yep. 
that's what you use the camera for, right? Videotape your sets. Look at them yourself. Set a camera. Uh, I'm setting a camera on a chair. Yeah, it's about the right height. It's a, a three-quarter view. What am I interested in? I'm looking at looking at viewing myself from the side. Yeah. What is my? Where, where am I at in terms of my torso, my shins, my depth? And that's all I care about. And I, I'm just just it's just me, so I can look at myself each set if I want. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's get into some quick Q and A here. Sometimes we get questions about various things and uh you know we've gotten some questions about the squat so let me ask you guys a couple of things here uh and these are common questions that we've probably all heard you know growing up and uh, um so the first thing is now and we're we already kind of talked about this but we're always talking about it, is why don't we want the knees to surpass the toes when we're doing a squat marty not very efficient in terms of yeah, all the stress goes on your knees. Yeah, so you know, it creates wanna, more stress on the, the knees. It creates more stress on the knees. Plus, you want to use the most amount of musculature that you can use, and and you're not going to do it if your knees are coming way forward. Now, now we had a discussion about this a few weeks ago, and somebody suggested that for performance wise, for sports and things like that, it's good to surpass the the toes with the knees. Just like stick a stick in the hornet's nest, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you're better off sitting back. And I think you can get too specific to this is what they do in sports. So, for instance, just because my knee goes over my toes in athletics doesn't mean I want to train that position constantly. It's almost like you know that'd be like saying let's let's round our let's train in a rounded back position because in the worst possible you know. Uh, deadlift i'll ever do i may be in that position no I'm not, i don't want to do that uh, i'm okay. just not gonna, i'm not going to bow down to somebody else's science i've gotten beaten up by science so often over the years people come along and they give us this settled science and this irrevocable science that we later find out really wasn't true yeah i'm tired of it i mean you know just somebody comes along as well that's what all the science says and i like, hey, that's like that's what you say what are you talking about yeah so no matter what you're training for, whether it's strength, size, sports, whatever, that it's it's consistent all the way through. You do not surpass the toes with the knees. Well, you want to keep them back, certain, upright let's shins. Put it, let's put it this way. We have a certain technical archetype, a certain highly specific way of squatting that was passed down to us by world champions yeah. and used by world champions to set world records. And this is the way we do it. And does it conform to everybody else? Or I don't know. We don't know. It's just it's just a system. It originated in the state of Maryland here, and you know we're just trying to you know codify and pass it along. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, how about this one? Now this is one that I've been concerned with because, as you guys know, I have a. a torn meniscus and i think the way i did that was real heavy leg extensions and you guys are going to probably beat me up for doing leg extensions but whatever i did them um is going below a 90 degree angle putting the knees at risk when you're squatting what you mean like super deep yeah going below no, uh, a 90 no, no, degree no 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 it's super healthy yeah i think it's good for your knees i think the one thing you have to watch if you're if you're back if your butt is scooting way underneath you now now your back is rounded but if you can maintain that that posture that we're talking about like a goblet squat kind of thing right 
Yeah, I mean it's now. Yeah. Now, now, me being it's not bad technique. We don't want to. You know, okay. we're not defending uh, bad technique. No. Now, the reason I ask this is because I do have this torn meniscus. Now, when I went and saw the surgeon. Uh, I said, look, what can I do and what can't I do? You know, I'm a weightlifter. I'm, I love uh, doing heavy exercises and things like that. Um, he said, I said, can I leg press? Because I love the leg press. He says, you can leg press all you want. Just don't go below a 90. I said, can okay. I squat? Uh, can I squat? He said, don't go fine, but don't go below a 90. I said, why is that? He says, because once you get past the 90 degree angle, you're now putting the meniscus into play. And okay. for you anyway, because you've got this injury, you don't want to go past that and put the meniscus into play and injure it further. Uh, I had a double torn meniscus and I know of what you speak and the way that I was like, was like, I don't care to choose to live my life not going below 90 degrees. <laughs> so I broke through. I worked at that. And did it bother you? Oh, each, you, you, what happens is that you go down as far as you can go. That's where the pain stops you, right, JP? Yeah, I mean, your body will definitely give you feedback. Yeah, that's where you stop. So you, that's, each day you go down, and, you know, and that's where you hit and hit and hit. And over time, you get deeper before the pain yeah. stops you. you get deeper before the pain stops you eventually i got to the point where i was able to go all the way down again i used the cross core to actually make myself lighter but yeah. that was a big thing because i wanted that ability back i didn't want for the rest of my life to not be able to go to a parallel right. what is that yeah. about so jim so i would do that i really don't have the pain when i'm i'm squatting it's it's funny when you have a torn meniscus um and I'm not going below parallel anyway, but, but uh, I don't have the pain that way. But when you turn your your knee ever so slightly in one direction, then is when you feel it. Um, so it's kind of weird the way the meniscus and the joint works, but you have to be very careful. And I'm just trying to, to preserve myself and, um, you know, just... Um, just obey the doctor's orders and, and do that and, and keep squatting. But I'm doing those one-legged pistol squats, so I got to do a lot of warm-ups. And you know, I'm getting I'm getting about ten or twelve solid reps on each leg. You know, and I'm about two seventy-five, two eighty, coming down grind speed, parallel, back up, grind it. So I'm getting some pretty good workouts. But yeah, I just wanted to ask you guys. Uh, about that because I think that's I think a lot of people have this condition and be just be careful do your research talk to your doctor don't screw yourself even even more uh, than you already are and sometimes you can get these repaired and sometimes you can't but just talk to your doctor um, and then the other thing we talked about was some people say well you know how do you can you increase your squat by increasing uh or increase your squat by increasing your deadlift too. Um, so if 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 you add poundage to your squat, usually because of the deadlift technique, it, it, the way you guys use it anyway, it's you know using a lot of quads. Your deadlift will will go up naturally from that, right? Yeah, I mean, it, I think you know if you keep your your squat strong and your deadlift technique is already set can't be for a beginner but if your deadlift technique's already set yeah. you can get a deadlift 
deadlifting very infrequently and keep your strength up and actually get stronger. And I right. use this all the time. Uh, this example, I had my back surgery. I chose to squat instead of deadlift for a little while. And then I was like, man, eh, let me go try some deadlifts. And I pulled 605 without deadlifting since before the surgery. Right. And, and that was because, and of course, I ran and called Marty. And I was like, man, look, just like, get dumbass. You keep your legs strong and your deadlift will stay strong. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm still a man. <laughs> definitely definitely works alright well listen that was a lot of good information that I think yeah. a lot of people will find very useful so I want to thank you guys for all your mm. your extensive knowledge on that I always learn something um, when I listen to you guys so you know I've been doing all this stuff a long time too but I always learn something new when I talk to you guys um, uh, the other thing we wanted to say was uh, we were just voted uh Top five strength coach podcast by uh, Feedspot. Uh, so if you go to feedspot.com, you'll see that article in there. And uh, so we were honored to to hear that and be a part of that. Oh, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! We weren't in the top five. We were number three. Well, that's the top five. Oh, you're saying I'm watering it down too much. We were three, third out of five. We were the number three, and I, you know, and I, I didn't. Uh, I don't know who the one and two spot was. I didn't write it down, but uh, I have congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. I mean, we thank all our listeners, and a lot of people are saying they really enjoy the show, so we appreciate that. Thank um, you. Again, I'll. I'll just say, you know, I have you guys on because you have so much knowledge and I get a kick out of it. And, you know, we have the articles and everything. And and I really want people to uh, be able to enjoy, you know, what all your knowledge and, and learn from that as well. So I try to get you guys out there on this podcast, in our, in our articles and things like that. So, uh, you know, we're just trying to spread the word. Um. All right, so check out uh, Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. You can also pick up his books, uh, Purposeful Primitive and Strong Medicine at Iron Company. Uh, If you're looking for any home gym equipment, like suspension trainers, free weights, rubber flooring, we've even got, uh, you know, we actually sell a lot of antibacterial wipes, and we're doing a lot of residential, commercial, government uh, so hit us up for that, anything you might need. And then we've also got uh, Jim Steele articles, and they can be found on our yeah. articles section as well. What's your latest? What was that, JP? That was, uh, oh, uh, the switching up the training. How, you know, uh, right. the rep scheme training instead of just using like a 5 set of 12. You know, mm-hmm. having- Yeah, just keeping it fresh. Like yeah, a- yeah, yeah, yeah. Contrast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then we have you writing another one, so that'll be out uh, mid-month in, in May, so be on the lookout for that. Um, and then you've got your own website, BassBarbell.com. What, what are you up to over there? All things guns, hunting, dogs, kids, okay. lifting. So it's a, uh, it's a potpourri of Whatever uh, comes to my mind. steel <laughs> reflections. Like By the way, are you doing a podcast now with, with Chuck Miller? Oh yeah, God. so I did a little. Uh, I told you guys about I was going to do that steel reflection. So we're doing that once every ten days, something like that. You okay. and the porn king. That's what, it, baby. What, the what, child book writer and the porn writer. 
Oh my yeah. god. Well, what are you guys talking and about? And a retired power lifter. <laughs> what is it? Just talking shop for on weight you cuss a lot. Yeah, we answered some questions and and uh oh, yeah, Jeff cusses, but he says oh, it in an accent, so it's not really <laughs> <laughs> All right, good deal. I appreciate you guys. That was a yeah, that was man. a great one. Thank you, and um, we'll see you guys next week. All right, see you later. Thank you. All right, bye.